Cinephiles, audiophiles, ladies and germs, welcome to the Film Cult Podcast. Tonight, you got to rise up for this member of Bad Brains and Fireburn. It's Israel Josephi. Israel, how are things? Peace and love. One greetings, one heart, oneness for all the world and humanity. I greet you in the name of uh, His Imperial Majesty, Ali Selassie. I wish you peace. What's happening, people? Punk rock, rock and roll, everything's great. Good to that, be here. that everybody is how you say hello. <laughs> <laughs> you got uh, doing some research on you. You got some Canadian connections. It's all about Canada getting you into punk rock. I'm curious about that. Can you give me a little bit more insight into that? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, <clears throat> I was a young kid and I had a little um, hard time in school. Uh, and eighth grade, uh, my parents were breaking up. And so I kind of like had a hard time in school. I went away to Canada for the summer to stay with my brother who lives in Toronto and still lives in Toronto. And my sister lives there too. And they've been there since they were 13 years old, but, uh, you know, they're older than I am. So they've been there quite a few years. So I ended up on uh, young street uh, and, and, uh, in 1984 or 1984 something like that and it was great because I actually not only went through my brother's record collection and discovered so much music including uh, Sex Pistols Jimi Hendrix was something I, I came across that I had been only listening to uh, I would call moderate rock before that and I came across all that hard rock in his collection and old funk and then walking the streets of Toronto uh, just touring around walking around, I ran into people I had seen occasionally in Long Island, but just near downtown who were punks, uh, spike haired, you know, their hair were all colored and uh, they were living the life. And I was a young kid. And so I hung out with that crowd as much as I could. I was just a kid, but when they were on the street corners, I would talk to them and, and, you know, I was already familiar with it. I was from New York, but it was just, it seemed so much more prevalent in Toronto, downtown Toronto. And then I got back to New York and uh, I had completely changed after Toronto. I had got moved away from um, being a hip hop purist. Uh, I had just a whole new experience in music. Um, and so Toronto really changed me. Yeah, it, it changed my perspective on music. Speaking of being a hip-hop purist, though, do you feel like you always kind of tried to keep that spirit alive, even when you like first started with the Bad Brains? Were you trying to bring that into that, into that world? Well, you know, trying would be like, okay, well, I was attempting to do it. I'm, I'm not, I wasn't really attempting to do it. Um, Rap music is a very normal thing to do if you really think about it. It's talking. It's the word rap literally means to talk. And we're right now we're rapping. The only difference is I you rhyme every other word on the snare drum. So uh, that's the old school way of rapping. Now rap has evolved, right? You're, you're more complicated. People like Ghostface, Killer, and and like Raekwon, and like the Wu Tang, they've retwisted it. Then you have people like Jay Z and all Biggie and all like you know the older guys. They really they, they, but hip hop in its essence is talking on beat and talking about a subject. And so 
I was always, uh, I guess, before I knew myself, kind of programmed to rap. When I started rapping in seventh grade, eighth grade, I was already doing it like I had done it before. Uh, so were a lot of the kids. It was just a natural, I think, progression from funk and, and, and uh, you know, what they would call like uh, the late 70s, kind of like black music, quote unquote, into what it was in the 80s where kids didn't were denied instruments you know they weren't the, the schools were they're extracting money from the schools so where in the 60s and 70s black kids were learning trumpets and horns and guitars and stuff by the time i got to school that stuff was there but it was either really expensive to do like i wanted to play sax it was 36 bucks a month and um, 36 dollars a year and unfortunately my mother couldn't even afford that and there were free instruments but even at that time they were extracting them now you go to school it's like you know you're lucky to find a school that has an art program right but we uh we were very conscious of art and so i started rapping uh very early and, and, and doing it well and so i thought it was going to be a vehicle to change the way i was perceiving life um the way we were perceiving life as being a struggle and it shouldn't be a struggle my earliest consciousness uh, you know, started dawning on me when I was a child and I first came here at eight years old, I noticed, you know, life, you notice life is, there's a difference in uh, perception and reality of how people are living and how they're thinking on and on. You notice this at a very young age, it's going to reflect in your music. So rap was a very natural thing for me to do. Now, being a purist, meaning that I, I wasn't doing anything else. I was totally hip hop writing raps every day, meeting with two or three crews. And that's what I mean by peers. But when I went to Canada, it was different. I came, I, I, and you know, it's not that I hadn't listened to rock before. Like I said, I've been listening to moderate rock. I grew up on rock and roll, really. I grew up on radio station in my kitchen, rock and roll. I always tell this story, CBS FM, New York, Cousin Brucey. He would play, play the greatest hits of the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And every day, my dad, from the time I was about 10 to my mother kept the radio. Even after my dad left, I, my dad left my house about 15 years old. I was, he left. I'd, but even after he left, till I was about 20 years old, there was this little clock radio in my mother's kitchen, in my dad's kitchen. When I was young, that thing would be stuck on CBS FM. So every morning I would get up and during the time getting ready till the time I left school, which was about an hour, an hour and a half, I was listening to this music now the beatles the rolling stones chuck berry little richard um all of the great acts were coming across through that little uh radio and it was crackling to me and i would hear the beatles go uh she loves you yeah 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 she loves you and it, it's you listen to it today but it just sounds like folk music but to me it sounded raging through that little radio it was like and I was just like, listen to this, these drums, you know, they're really killing it. But and Chuck Berry with his, his guitars and all of these rhythms were like, and I and I have a photographic brain, so I'm like, play me a song, and and a day later, the next morning, I'm singing the song. My parents are going, wow, you know the song, you know. But I just loved music, so I had a sense of rhythm. But hip hop was to me the thing that was going to change everything before I met punk, before I met hard rock and punk and the feelings of that drumbeat, I was like, wow, this is, this is more, um, 
what I want to do. And it slowly came together. It's, it, it didn't happen right away. I still, I came up from Canada still doing hip hop, but I came up from Canada to repeat uh, eighth grade, which was the only grade I ever messed up in because I trained my parents to splitting up. It was a bad scene. But I repeated that grade to my regret, but I mastered it after that. But that grade, repeating it did a lot for me psychologically. First of all, I watched friends go on ahead of me and I got left behind. And you can see that in Rise, don't be left behind. That's don't be left behind, put it together, find your peace of mind. That's writing about these moments in my life, literally. Don't be left, don't, don't be left behind personally. Don't be left behind for real in school. Don't be left behind. And uh, that has changed my life because it, it had made me independent. I had to suddenly find new friends and they were younger. And then I just became this in the middle guy. So uh, when I did get to high school, I actually doubled up, caught back up to my class. I was really smart. Like I put two grades together and in 11th and 12th grade, I put them together with a guidance counselor's help. And I did both 11th and 12th grade in the same year. So I graduated with my class. But then after I did that, I was just like, you know, I'm all about music and every music, not just hip hop. I'm about punk. I had met my friend Eric in high school. He was all, he was the first punk I ever met in Long Island. See, I was the first punk, Eric Gajera. I think him on Rise when I say Eric, uh, give me a call. You see on the thank yous. That's Erica Jero. When I got when I got to high school, tenth grade, and I'm like, all right, I'm in the middle now. So I'm like this dude who's like vibing with younger cats. But I got my older mate, my my, my mate, the, my classmates that was I was supposed to be with, and I'm like discovering music. And I'm this before I really saw Haile Selassie. This before Rastafari even come into my life. Before I looked at Haile Selassie. I was just like into Prince and rock, and I was just like, oh, it's like this kid, wild kid. And then it was in the end of 10th grade that this dude, Eric, showed up in school. And he was a punk, man. He had, he had, he would show up to, uh, in Westbury High, man. I'm talking about like, you know, Westbury High is kind of a conservative school. You know what I mean? Dude would show up with like Liberty Spikes, <laughs> a foot tall, green, red, chemical warfare jacket, but the most peaceful guy, everybody loved me, had a round face, nice smile, you know, it's like a, like a force. And we started hanging out. We just started kicking it, you know? We both like music, we started kicking it. He was, you know, he was getting ready to graduate. He's actually a year ahead of me, even if I was in the rec grade. And he was the one who took me to his house. We went to his house. We were hanging out at his mom's house a lot. You know, he lived right from the high school, not far away. And at, and at Eric's house, um, it was the same time I had was transitioning away from what I was. I mean, it was like two years we'd been hanging out. Uh, I was growing my dreads. I was coming out of hip hop, moving into reggae. And he was the one who said to me, you need to listen to the Bad Brains. So it was all in that time from from eighth grade in in, in Young Street, uh, Toronto, to eleventh grade, the whole thing kind of manifested. So, um, yeah. When the Bad Brains told you that you got the gig, what did you think? Were you actively trying to step into HR's shoes, or did you want to bring something new to the band? 
No, I, I definitely was of the hip hop generation and I wanted to bring my own thing to the band. I was very about that. My own lyrics, um, they offered to write lyrics for me. I didn't know that a lot of the early lyrics, according to the members, were written by all the members, you know, not just, a, they weren't. So literally when I was singing a, uh, songs that HR had sung, I was singing Daryl's songs, really, Daryl's compositions, you know, um, especially a lot of the early stuff. Yeah, a lot of that was his lyrics and stuff like that. It was really, a lot of the Bad Brains is, is all of them, but Daryl has a huge vision in it. He's, he's very invested as the visionary and the way the music's gonna sound. Like, you know, you hear how quickness opens up with him scatting on the beginning, you know, that's him basically laying it down, you know, this is how it's gonna go. And then the rest of the guys come in. So Daryl is the visionary. They all are, you know, I'm not taking anything from anyone else. So this was a very cool thing for me that Daryl was the one who was the one that's that was like, yo, you gotta be in this band. And he said, man, if I, you know, I can write lyrics for you if you want me to. This is before we wrote anything. He goes, do you write your own lyrics? I said, yeah, you know, I'm of the uh, uh, coming out of hip hop. I got to write my own lyrics, man. And that's that's what happened. He just said, all right, go for it, youth. You know, he said, go ahead, youth, and do your best, you know. And I, and I wrote Rise. <laughs> well, and then you write an album that is maybe more relevant today than even when you wrote it back then. How do you feel looking out on the streets now and how relevant this album truly is right this second. <laughs> it's uh, it's like a, a dream that I was having a long time ago is manifesting in the earth. <laughs> it's, it's, I saw this all in a vision, so to speak, and that was what Rise was. That's why that record was being written, because it was a, I have sold it, and if it was a vision, I'll describe what, the, what a vision is. It's not that you are seeing like TV. It's like um, a, a feeling in your solar plexus about the state of the moment you're in and what's, what it's going to lead to if it doesn't change. And you can see what it's going to lead to, all right? And this is what it was. And I just, uh, and it, it wasn't that thought out either. Uh, rise, I was living that. I was living, I was rising, right? I was the one personally who was struggling to swim out of like a mire of my own life, but I also understood that it was, the society was in the mire. And so I, I wrote about the society from my personal point of view. And that was the most truth I could give to that record. That was what I thought you know, the most truth I could do. I'm not going to write, hey, baby, baby songs, or, you know, I'm not going to come out like, I'm going to change bad brains to like, you know, like, like, uh, slick, like, um, I'm like young, handsome, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be the babe dude, you know, like the rock and roll, <laughs> which is, which they probably wouldn't have minded, right? But no, seriously, I was never that, and I don't know how to be that. So all I know how to do is be like the dude who's like, okay, like I'm influenced from Bob Marley, I'm influenced from, you know, different, different energy music, hip hop. And yeah, man, it, it just, um, you know, Rise is relevant today. And it's also because I try to deal with traditionally uh, heavy subjects. Um, 
even the word rise, when I first, that's the first song we wrote. Uh, we had been practicing their old songs for a couple months, and or like a month or so, two months, let's say. And suddenly, Daryl shouted for me from the other end of the room, Israel, pick a note, A, B, or C. And I looked up from a pad I was writing on, and I said, B. And he hit the chord, B. That was Rise. That was the beginning. That was the first we started writing the record. That's how it started. And he's, I said, that's bad. I said, I like that. What's that? That's something I'm kicking around. And from there, it it progressed. But it it happened for him and for me that it just flowed out of us. He was writing these grooves. And I was coming up with these lyrics that were just coming out of me. But when I wrote rise, the word rise, it popped. It just, I remembered everything that I'd seen rise before from the reggae records to the Bible when Jesus says to Lazarus rise. Um, all the rises I had seen and it, it just focused into it. And I went, oh my God, this is it. And I knew what, what I was writing. And when I sang it, nothing changed. I sang Rise the exact way I sang it when I wrote it to the exact way it was on the the whole album, really. Nothing changed. They never once said to me, you got to sing it this way or change this or I don't like this lyric or slow this down. It was so organic what happened with that record, man. We were brethren. We got to be really close friends, super fast, real tight, a lot in common. The only thing different was I was younger than them, but we had the same personality and the music came out so easy, man. But Rise was, uh, it was a concerted effort to write something relevant. I really wanted to do that. I did not want to write something that would be lost to time. I didn't know if I would ever write another record again. And I know I wanted, and I had a feeling when I was younger that if the elders were looking down, I want them to be proud of me of what this effort is of us, that we stood up for rights, that we fought for human beings, that we told them the right thing to do. And we we laid something down that at least if we never do it again, they're gonna look back and say, uh, this. they tried to say something. They didn't just sing about frivolous subjects. They tried to say something. And that was the dream. And I didn't know if Rise was gonna do anything. And then suddenly Sony Records was knocking on our door and I was like, wow, like this is not just local records, like a lot of big labels, Epic, Sony, uh, Columbia, which were all basically in the same umbrella anyway, but they all came and it was the choice, Daryl. Again, it was me and Daryl a lot, you know, and I, cause I lived, I lived with him actually. When, when I went up there, I stayed with him and his family. They had a room there prepared for me that I stayed. So it was me and him a lot. And he said to me on the couch one day, he goes, yo man, <laughs> All these record labels wanted to sign us. We had made the demo tape and it had gone around and people were like, I want this. Uh, what are we gonna do? And I said, look, you know, this is our message. This is our thing we're trying to do here. And and, and let's go with let's go with Epic. Let's go with Sony. Let's take bad brains to a bigger audience. And so yes, we did understand Rise. And I'm thankful that it it happened because it was really providence too it was it could have been all the plans in the world but i think the universe was using us and i was praying that it was using us i was hoping that it would use us for the future so that when uh people look back but what i do hope though now that rise 
has changed a lot of things. And I can see there's an era before rise socially, and there's this era after rise, right? I can see that. It's clear. And there's rise is actually a word, right? Like uh, I remember the first time walking up a local street near my mother's house in 1995, where I grew up, and it was this huge billboard, huge, sitting there in front of the AMP, and uh, a place I had grown up in. And it was a new movie coming out called Gladiator. And the, the, the tag was Gladiator, a hero will rise. And when I saw the word rise in that, in 1995, something happened. I realized this, they used rise. And then there was another movie called Rise of the Silver Surfer. And then like he comes in from outer space, like, you know, it's like, I was like seeing all this like stuff going on, like going, oh, this is kind of like strange, you know? And then the movie Rockstar came out and then I watched it and I was like, that's the story I've been telling. I told the whole world about how I got with the bad It's exactly blow for blow for blow. And I don't know if this happened to anyone else, but this is a blow for blow. Guy's name is even Izzy here. So I started paying attention going, Rise is making some, maybe made some noise I didn't understand, you know? And and it, it just, it's gone on and I've noticed that, you know, there's a lot of things that are rising, you know, this LA rising, reggae rising, there's all these things, you know, uh, Beyonce has a, a perfume called Rise, you know, like this Rise is a word that is now like in, and, I, and I'm thankful for that, you know, I'm so, I actually got a call from New York schools the other day talking about they want me to talk at a, Af, um, a Black History Month thing because they like to ask me if I knew the effect of rise on politics, how people were young then, but now those some, same people who were influenced in a good way are in politics now and they're older and they're, and I'm like, wow, you know, this, is, this is awesome because this is what, what, you know. But one thing I wanted to say to people though about rise is that you gotta listen carefully, okay? Rise is not an album for you to get violent with. It's an album to stir up your positive emotions and rise in yourself, rise in your knowledge, rise in your, your ability to handle life. We're not talking about fighting an opponent. This is like Star Wars, like the force. Fighting is the last thing you're gonna do. We're talking about being able to rise above your opponent. Instead of going through your opponent, you're rising above your opponent. You're going, you're, you're figuring out ways to not disarm him, but to move around him or to go above him instead of wasting your time going through him. Because if you only practice this method, then when you get this down, there will be another one waiting for you because this is the straight line method. And there are thousands of these waiting. Believe me, men are by the billions. So if you fight this way, you're gonna have a hard slot. But if you f go above men, then you can actually help them out by seeing the bigger picture and help yourself out too. This is the rise. Love is the answer, not war, not go, you know, beat people in the head and take stuff. Love is the answer. But in this world, it's really hard to get to these concepts. You might think, oh, rise means to rebel. It does, but it means to rebel in a different way. I'm talking about the force, bro, literally, like the force and, and, and taking the force and using it to elevate within so that all people are made better.
not destroying something and thinking you're going to make it better like that. You got you to gotta uplift something, uplift yourself, and then uplift others. And if you, and, and if you haven't struggled doing it, then that's your, that's your struggle. That's what you're doing. That's your work. That's what the work is. It's called work. It's not called joy, right? It's not called, it's called work, right? You got to, a man shall be judged by his works. That's what the scriptures say. W-R-K-S on, on, on you know, they tell you to say, oh, confess his name and you'll go to heaven. But realistically, the man says a, a man should be judged by his works. So do the works of that. And that's really what rise is like, you know, find your peace of mind. You know, would you say that you're hopeful with the youth right now, then that real change is going to come because there is this new understanding They're They're more active. They're more vocal than maybe any other generation has been. Are you hopeful? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And another yes. When I see Greta Thunberg, when I see Vanessa Nakate, when I see the youth rising up, that's the rise I'm talking about. The 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 force, when you see Greta Thunberg, that is a, that's a young Jedi. That's a Jedi. She got the force. The force is strong with her. And I'm happy because they finally, I said it in one of the songs in uh, All Unite on the new record, children are now rising above their mental walls. Uh, the future they've been given is no kind of future at all. And that's, I'm so happy to see that when Greta stood up, I was I was just lifting her up, man. I was like, this is it. Because the millennials did the bridge work. They they were the bridge work. But I think this young generation, Greta and younger, are gonna be the ones to uh to bring it into fruition, to really uh become a one uh, one find one harmony amongst themselves and to tackle problems that are not personal, but are good for the whole social dynamic, thereby solving social uh, personal problems in a lot of ways. And, and, that's, and that's why I think they're going. Um, the fight against cl- uh, the, uh, climate change and, 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 and getting knowledge about the, about the climate crisis social issues, social justice issues, environmental justice, uh, pollution, um, uh, curtailing police activities as far as like, you know, unnecessary police activities. Uh, you know, uh, the idea of just educating yourself uh, with, the, with the, the tools like YouTube and uh, all these, all, you know, the kids are doing the right thing. Uh, they just have to have faith that they're doing the right thing because you can get you can lose that after when they get older and you lose it you get jaded so this is what i hope that the kids don't get jaded with their i'm very proud of them and i'm and i'm i'm hoping and i'm praying for their sustained uh movements and i will be there old as i am <laughs> i'll be there with them well i would say one of the albums that that they should really gravitate towards is don't stop the youth from fireburn because it's another amazing album from you are we go- are, are we going to get a full album anytime? Is there going to be more Fireburn stuff? And how did Fireburn even like come to be? Because 
you kind of took what you did with Bad Brains, as awesome as that is, but you might have perfected it and you might have made it even better with Fireburn. This might be your best, your best of anything. Take me through that story. <laughs> cool. Uh, sure, man. And, and yeah, I think that you're right, that the kids could listen to Don't Stop the Youth, although I think that they have. I kind of hear it in there, you know, somewhere. True. I hear it. And they're, they're totally the youth, and they're like, don't stop us. You know, it's like, okay, they got the message, you know. It's, it's cool, great. Um, way to go, kids. Uh, but, um, yeah, Fireburn was an interesting story. I was actually... Um, lost for a while. Um, I was lost. I was caught up in a, a bad situation, a relationship that wasn't working out. And I was kind of like lost actually for a while. And I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything. I, I wasn't doing anything creative and um, really lost. And, and uh, Daryl from the Bad Brains in 17 had a, had an art exhibit in downtown LA and I was invited. So I went and uh, as I was leaving that, uh, I guess Todd youth was there and didn't, he didn't speak to me, but I guess he saw me there. So like two days later, I get an email from Todd and it's been since 1995, since I last saw him. So he's like, Hey, how's it going, man? You know, how you been? I'm like, well, so he goes, I got some music I've been working on, and I'd like you to sing on it, man. I just, I, isn't that weird, first of all, that he, like, gets this vibe? Like, that's so weird, right? But he's, you know, that's how he is, right? Todd was a special guy. Man, he was something else, man. I wish people could have had the experience around him. I did, man. And one day I'm going to tell that experience. He was something else. But anyway, uh, he says, uh, so I click on the music, and... Now, let me tell you, before that, I told you I was lost in a weird, but I'd been piping in, like my brain works weird. Sounds and random stuff translates to music. I don't know why. If I'm sitting in a room with a fan whirring, it can't be a loud thing, right? Like loud is obvious. You know, that's obvious, right? But really subtle sounds. If my brain's picking it up, it's going to turn it into a symphony. And it does that all the time and I sometimes I have to like remember that there's not a radio play right I have to remember that the sound is coming from here right but sometimes I just like to sit back and listen to it and I have to be in a really meditative state in a couple of years before that I had been piping in rock songs but not like Fireburn rock like really like like really like rock and like I'm like, what's going on? Why am I hearing like this weird, like almost like hardcore white snake? You know, like why why is this happening? But it was kind of funny. And I actually started writing lyrics down and like getting melodies. But like I was like, I'm never gonna sing like this. You know, this is weird. But I'd write it down anyway. And that started turning into hardcore punk. And I started writing on an acoustic guitar on a tape deck on my phone hardcore punk lines and I was thinking I was like you know like writing the lyrics and I was like okay this is what's happening I'm gonna write a hardcore punk. and I thought I'm gonna write an, the first acoustic hardcore punk record and actually Todd I showed that to Todd and Todd was blown away by that he was like we gotta do that but we never got around to it because he died 
And uh, so you guys don't do that. You better wait for me. Um, but um, I've been starting at, I still have all the tapes. And so it had been coming together. So when I clicked on this email and I heard the music, bro, it was the same thing I had been writing. And I heard Suspect and I heard uh, a couple of other songs break it down and, you know, a, cu a couple of other songs. It was like other songs on it. And man, I said, this is exactly what I've been writing. You know, this is exactly the stuff I've been working on. This is crazy. Like, so I immediately, when I heard Suspect, I sat back on the couch and I wrote Suspect. It just, I listened to it like once, twice in the headphones, grabbed a pad, corruption, because it was Donald Trump. And Donald Trump had just been elected. And I was like, well, I got elected a year before. Or like, like, and I was like, this is really not cool. And I was like, how could, how could, first of all, Bernie Sanders have lost? Right? That was my man. Like, I was like, he was getting thousands of people. It's, it's, it's my man, too. And I, I'm pretty sure anybody that listens to this podcast <laughs> is a Bernie supporter. So, yeah, go Bernie. So I was like, no way Donald Trump got this, right? Because although he was espousing kind of ideas that were like, okay, you know, you're like a radical, but you're like a racist radical. You're like a, like a right-wing radical. I'm not down with that radical, you know what I mean? That's not what I'm down. I'm down with love and peace radical, you know, not like the racial radical stuff. So like, I couldn't get down with Donald Trump. Which a lot of people jumped from Bernie to Donald Trump. And I was like, are you serious? It's, it's so like, crazy. You're crazy. I was like, is racism not a uh, deal breaker for you? Like, but anyway, that happened. But so like, suspect, the lyrics were, it was like I'd been, it's like I just opened the cap and it just poured out. And it was really about Donald Trump's election. The fact that Bernie got it stolen. Uh, the fact that all of this is happening. And here I am, a brown skinned, uh, bearded man looking like one of the dudes that's they're saying is the enemy on the TV. I turn on the TV and it's dudes like me, like, we're going to kill you. You know, and I'm like, dude, that dude looks just like me. He's not, what the, f I'm the enemy. Like, I look myself in the mirror and I go, like, I'm the suspect. Like, I, I can't be. I'm a nice guy. I like puppies. I like love. I like. I don't. I don't have a racist bone in my body. I don't want to hurt anybody. But the society has turned it so when I walk into a store and I go, "Hi, can you help me?" I'm looking like the dude on TV that's gonna cut Johnny John. I'm looking like the. I'm the suspect. That's what suspect is about, bro. I'm the suspect. And then the second verse is about how because. Uh, Trump's got elected, look, the destruction of the right and left. Is it not true? They took our future, nothing's left. Is it not true? They took our future, nothing's left. This is history's biggest theft. We're all alone. Look, with the COVID, we're all, we're all alone. We got ourselves, right? Fight, 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 but not people. Fight for the right to be unique and seek the inner self. You can't obtain with wealth. I gotta preserve my mental health. That's the second verse of Suspect. 
but you can't obtain with wealth. In my mind, I see Donald Trump every time fight for the inner self that you can't obtain with wealth. You can't, he will never be the inner self. Fight for the force. So I, these lyrics are written like that, man. And then the second verse is repeated because second verse same as the first, like the old song, because the second verse is in, the first verse is in, uh, no, the uh, first verse is the third verse. I'm sorry, it's not like the old song. But the first verse is an important verse, you know, corruption, nobody wins. <laughs> you see the Bernie Lawrence, it's all the same. It's so lame. Nothing makes sense to my brain. All I feel is hurt and pain. Living, survival, on arrival, I stay alive, I go inside, the furthest reaches of my mind, life's a choice, and I made mine. That was thinking about Bernie. Life's a choice, a voting choice, a choice to live, the right to live, all these things, life's a choice. It's like a punk to like life's a choice, and I made mine, you know, like so it's all that, man. And and, and suspect was the, the was that, but trying not to be. Uh, caught up in bad emotions, trying to make it constructive because I was really sad at that time and really wanting change. And, and uh, you know, the next song is, you know, uh, stand up, be ready to fight for your rights. Reality bites, urban bite, urban blight all night. It's all confusion in the world today. Open the doors anyway. You know, we got to unite. I imagined when I wrote that sitting in the club and people going, yo, they're fighting outside, man. We can't have it. I'm like, I'm open the doors anyway. We gotta, you know, what are you gonna do? We gotta get together. There's no, this is, every line on that word, on that um, album has a meaning. Man. And it's all about what we're dealing with now because I felt that it was coming. Even the girlfriend I was with at that time, I was talking to her and she didn't agree with me, but I was like, this is coming. You know, this is, this is going to happen. And, and, um, Fiburn was it, man. You know, and uh, the next song, "Love Is Our Love Is Our Love Is Our Light." You know, maybe I can climb the wall if I don't fall down. What do you think the wall is? Maybe I can stand up tall if I don't fall down. There must have been a heart in there, but now it's bled out. The world's full of doubt. Everything's going south. Love is our light. Let this be. You know, it's like it's all about what I was looking at, like going like, this is crazy, you know, that we got to stop, we got to say something about this. And it's the best I could do. So, uh, yeah, I'm really happy that, um, you know, that album was what it was. Again, I'm always, I'm always so thankful for it because you can't plan that part of it. You can't. How much of that is, is there anything on the cutting room floor? Like, is there any more songs that were written that just haven't been released yet that might be released in the future? Uh, I'm now I'm, I'm not sure if it's going to be released in the future. I'm, I'm, you know, Nick is so busy with his recording studio and all of that going on. He's deep into that. Like he has a record pressing company. That's the drummer, right? And so he's the one really, you know, we, we would have to work with kind of to get this done. So we'll see what happens. I'm hoping now, but yes, your to your answer, your question, there's at least there, there, there is about 12 or 13 unheard fireman songs that are basically finished. Uh, some of them have actually been recorded by the band. Others are me and Todd, where Todd has played 
the instruments and I did the vocals or I played the drums and Todd did the bass and guitar. But they're all great. And the only reason now, okay, now God rest his soul, my brother Todd, I love you, you know that. And and I felt Todd's presence when I was writing this new record, uh, Meltdown. I would sit up two in the morning mixing this thing, you know, my little mixer, and my head my headphones on. I like working with headphones and my mind's eye, man, this dude standing right next to me in my mind's eye with his little blue jeans, little hands in his pocket, banging out, you know. I'm like, this is so weird. I could actually, in my mind's eye, you know what I mean? But I could actually see this dude next to me, man. That happened a lot through Meltdown. I see Brother Todd. I saw Brother Todd a lot writing Meltdown, especially late at night, like in the morning, deep in the morning when I was mixing. I would see him, man, clear as day, man. You know, sometimes reach out and put his hand on my back. I'm telling you, I'm not kidding you, man. It's like clear as, I know he's not there, but it's like in your, in my mind's eye, I could see him. And he was just all like banging with me. So Todd was a powerful force, but he directed um, the making of Don't Stop the Youth. And the songs that were on there were his choice. Uh, so I was for putting more songs on there, but he thought we'll save them for the album. Uh, we'll make an album. And I thought, okay, yeah, great. Okay, we'll just put out the EP. Our one regret that we have as a band that are left is that we didn't fill that EP up with all the songs before Todd died. Because we had no idea Todd was gonna die. Todd was so full of life. He was so alive, man. If you met this guy, you'd have met an angel, bro. Like a like a god, like an angel, like a little, like a demigod, you know, like a dude that was just powerful, man. Pow, the, the force, the force was strong with this one, man. You know, he was a Harry Krishna. Does anybody know that? Todd is a Harry, was a devout Harry Krishna. We used to go to the, he used to take me to the temple after uh, after rehearsal. He would go, even sometime before, I would have, I would meet him there, you know. And his name was Tarun. A lot of people don't know that. And it's a, he was a Harry Krishna. And Harry Krishna is not just, I'm not a Harry Krishna, but through Todd, I learned a lot about it. And it's not just dudes walking around trying to sell you food on the streets. Hare Krishna is a very involved part of the Hindu religion, you know, and um, Krishna is like their uh, incarnated Jesus. And so they're just, it's like the Jesus religion. It's like Christianity in the, in India, because apparently like Christ appeared all over the world as Kulkul Khan, as Christ, as Krishna, as the Buddha, as the, as the original Dalai Lama, the Buddha, all through time trying to save the, the species. And so he's had, Todd had a Krishna experience that he was really into and he would go there and be all devout. And um, a lot of people didn't know that about Todd, man, he's a devout dude. And it's, it informed him in his way he made music, you know, he, had um, other influences as far as his hearing notes. Because if you listen to Eastern music a lot, the notes they're using are different. And so he wrote music in a flowy kind of pattern, which you're hearing on, like when you listen to the bass line of Suspect, it's who's gonna play like that? But he's got some influences from somewhere else. So 
He's a very mysterious guy. And Don't Stop Youth was a real great album to work on. We did it all in a small studio, about 12 by 12. Wrote it all, practiced it all. Todd Jones from Nails, uh, you know, Nick on drums. uh, Todd Jones from Nails on guitar, Nick on drums, and uh, Todd uh, Youth on bass, and then myself on vocals in a 12 by 12. Uh, Todd would write the songs. I would put the vocals over it. We'd bring it to the band. They'd play it, add stuff to it. We'd decide if it was good or not. And we went on like that, man. And um, we went into NRG in um, NRG Studios here in the Valley in California to record Don't Stop the Youth. And uh, that's where we did that with Kyle. So that was like a nice experience because it was a good studio. And um, so... We did that, but um, Shine and uh, the other records, um, Controller, and the other records were done at Nick Townsend's studio, which was different, so it's all in-house then, 12 by 12, right into Nick Townsend's studio, and the recording was done. So that was really the plan then to do the record. And we ended up, uh, taking a period of time off after a tour that we came home from. And right around the time we were supposed to be getting back together, two weeks, three weeks late into it, uh, I opened my cell phone Saturday morning and I'm seeing rest in peace Todd Youth. And I'm like, so yeah, it was it was really traumatic for me too when he died because... Um, yeah, but I don't want to get into that negative stuff. It was it was traumatic. I missed my brother. I missed what we had. I missed our creation. We spent hours together um, in that studio, side by side. Maybe that's why I saw him while I was making the record, because it was just a thing we had done for hours and hours and hours together. We, we also liked hanging out together, you know? And so um, it was a great experience. I wish Todd was still alive. I do miss him, but, you know, he's in a better place. Would you say whenever negativity comes into your life that you try to channel that as fast as you can into making art, and that's kind of why Meltdown happened? Or how did this album really come to be? Yeah, good question. Um, Right away when negativity comes into my life, I'm like everyone else. I am surprised by it. Um, And if it's really bad like something that's unfair, like someone's accusing me or being mean to me or something, then I feel like, well, I don't deserve this, you know? But then right after that, yeah, I think and I get positive and I say, well, my, my natural reaction is positivity to when I really, not reaction, my natural action, my reaction could be negative for that moment, but because it's negative, it triggers, it turns on the positive switch. It doesn't turn on more negative switches, in other words. I, it, 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 it's the guy who goes, oh, I feel bad, turn this on. And I become, I feel good. Now that's aided by my spiritual nature, my survival uh, abilities that I've gathered. I remember my family kind of uh, were mystified by me. And so our relationship was kind of strained over my late teenage years and then on through my life to now, you know, and same thing with my friends. So I've had a lot of weird experiences that people can't explain. And so like, it's kind of like, 
So I'm kind of floating out there. So I've had a lot of survival, self-survival to do. I rely on Rastafari, the most high to guide me in, and give me strength and guidance and protection. That's what I pray for. I don't pray for things. I don't pray for, hey, give me a car, give me money. I just say, give me health, guidance, strength, and protection, and the strength to deal with what is coming my way. Because I realize that life is not supposed to be easy. This is growing you. This is making you into something. So if it's easy, you're just going to be nothing. You're going to be like a, you're going to be uh, either given everything for free, and then you're going to end up like a spiritual Donald Trump, or you're going to be working for it. And you're going to end up like the Buddha who sat and did control his mind and, and, and did something to elevate himself. And I'm going to be like the Buddha. Okay, I'm not going to be like a spiritual Donald Trump. And so in my loneliness, I, in my, this path that I walk alone, I don't uh, allow negativity to harbor too long. I turn it, and that's helped by my spiritual nature, by the survival techniques mentally I've developed, by my uh, ability to uh, commune with my inner self, and uh, I will say the use of cannabis indica. I use cannabis in my life. I uh, use ganja, you know? The herb, the holy herb is sacrament to me. It's the sun shines and pulls the fruits out of the trees and pulls the grass out of the ground, but it pulls the herb out of the ground too. There must be a reason it's here. And when I use that, it makes me feel at one. So this is all the combination now. To answer your question about meltdown, going through that, I, I usually start piping in music, like I was talking about earlier. And I hadn't heard music for two years because after Fireburn broke up, I went into a state of depression. I was also dealing with another problem that I, I really don't want to talk about, but it was a really serious issue that I, I made it through, but it was like close. And... Um, I was dealing with a lot of men, like mental depression, trying to, you know, swim my way, trying to rise, trying to rise up. But in this trying to rise, I realized for many times after being knocked down that that's where you get all the, you soak up all the junk, all the stuff, all the good vibe, all the vibes that you're going to use later is in there. So if you don't soak it up, when you rise, which you're inevitably going to, you're not going to have the tools that could have been grabbed down in there. That's where the tools are there at the bottom of the toolbox. So when you get thrown to the bottom of the toolbox, you gotta you gotta be like, damn, I got thrown to the bottom of the toolbox again. I was almost like a carpenter, but okay, they want me to find more tools. Then suddenly you can't stay in the toolbox long because some other some some other energy is forcing you out of the toolbox. But when you come out and merge, you hopefully you have your right screwdrivers and your right hacksaws, and maybe this time it'll keep you on the carpenter thing forever. Right. You won't go back to the to the shop. And this is life. I'm speaking esoterically. I'm not speaking about actual carpentry. I'm speaking esoterically. So when I get knocked down, I get these tools out of the bottom of the toolbox, which are which is like music and inspiration, artistic inspiration coming through me. Energies, concepts and feelings about society and the state of society. Feelings about where I am in life, Feelings about my personal suffering, how I relate to this world and how this world's relating to me. Um, I always have this overwhelming feeling like we live in an open air prison. I know this is like kind of depressing, but I, I, this has driven me quite a bit to rise. It feels, this world feels unfair. It feels like we were born and we work and they don't tell us anything else, that we're just 
that that's what it is, but it can't be what it is, right? So like I have these feelings and so yeah, so I've been sitting around for two years and with these feelings and suddenly in July of 2020, which just went by, man, it just started coming out, bro. And uh, I was hearing drum beats, <laughs> you know, like, like, but like, you know, I'm trying to write like new beats, you know, like if you listen to like War in the Age of Iron or, uh, or Ready or Not, you know, the way the drums are, it's like, that's different, you know, it's just, it's like, to me, it's like, you know, like, uh, almost like I see like going, going, flying, or it's like a flying experience almost, um, the way the music sounds, or like riding a motorcycle at top speed, but coasting, you know, it's almost like that, like, it's just like flowing, I guess the word would be, and I started hearing this really flowy drum beat, so I started doing them, and I started and uh, among the first songs that were written was uh, Never Give Up the Fight, All Unite. Gonna fight for your rights. You say you want a better world, like what you say, but you never did a thing for anybody anyway. That's all talking about this whole stuff on television I'm watching, you know. You, um, you say you want a better world, like you say you never did a thing for anybody anyway. Um, if you want to make a change, we got some work to do and things will be better by the time we're through. You know, like, just like, then do your best. Deliver yourself. Born to reality. You know, like, all that's like a chant. You know, that's what I tell myself. You know, I'm telling that to the people. Come on, you know, rise. I don't want to say rise again. Do your best. Deliver yourself, you know? And to me, it's just exciting. It's like, it's like self-control. Like, I can deliver myself. This is exciting, you know. What what does that mean, you know? So like, um, it just started coming out, man. And then the second song, uh, what's the second one? Oh, uh, ready or not? It was ready or not? And it just progressed, you know. It progressed and progressed. I did some reggae, it's like you know. I mean, meltdown to me was something that grew up on its own. It took me, it was done in like three weeks. It was just done, written, it was written, arranged, uh, performed, recorded and mixed in three weeks. It just happened. And I don't, and my process is, uh, if you want to know about writing music for me. Yeah, of course. It's all, yeah, it's all live instruments. I don't use, I don't use uh, Pro Tools. <laughs> I'm not knocking Pro Tools. I'm just telling you what I do. I don't use Pro Tools and I don't use uh, um, samplers. I don't use Auto-Tune. I don't use any of that at all. My recordings are just like they would have been done in the 70s or the 80s. I, but except I'm doing it for myself. So I'm, I'm using the Prince technique of recording track by track by track but the way i keep it feeling organic and live and kind of like you know like chaotic is i don't do many takes i do one take two takes so the drums are done and i pick up the guitar and i listen and i find the chords i like and i go and i i know music i know what music's supposed to be you know and i hear what it is and i'm like that's it record that one take if I, if I mess up, it may be another take, but 
if I have to do three takes, four takes, I'm done. I'm like, that's it. I don't want it. It's boring now. You know, I don't, I need that, that, that excitement, you know? And then if I like that, then it's the bass. Then it's just, okay, root notes, but make it funky. Root notes, you know, you're going from A, G, down G, then back up. Just instead of that's what the bass would do because like drums right everything is like where i play the guitar and the bass is like drums i'm real percussive so um next is vocals but i don't do the vocals right away what i like to do is get a song that i like and i'm like yeah it's rocking and then i put it away and I write another one, I write another one. Now, a day later, I might, I'll come back and I'll maybe use a little cannabis. I don't drink, so, you know, some people take a drink of whiskey or something, you know. I use a little cannabis and I put my cans on and I press play on the song I wrote. And the reason I write them fast is because I like to list as the vocalist. I'm a vocalist. I need to sing vocals on them. I eventually and you can imagine i listen to something over and over again how corny that would be like i would just write like vocals that are not inspired because you know exactly what the music's doing you know exactly where this is going and then you're going to be limited because you're going to be afraid to go against the music you know you're going to be afraid to clash with the music if you if you know exactly what this music is and what it's doing then there's rules then and I hate rules. I hate being tied in. So my deal is I write the music as fast as I can. I record it as fast as I can and I leave it alone for two days. So I completely almost forget about it. Then I smoke cannabis and I go back and I put on the cans. And what I hear determines whether I'm gonna sing on that thing or not. And what I hear usually sounds like a, a somebody else. So completely like someone else did it because it's new, you know, like, and I'm like, yeah, I remember it a little bit, of course. I'm like, yeah, that's it. You know, I'm like, nah, it's too slow. Like that just doesn't, you know, ah. but that rarely happens because when I'm writing it, I'm in the mood, I'm in mode, you know, I'm in the spirit. But the, the vocals, I can't be in the spirit. I've spent time playing with my fingers. The, the vocals aren't there. The soul plex is totally not there. It's, it's gone. This is gone. But a few days later, when I smoke a little cannabis, it's there. The guy is like raging, ready to go. I'm, I'm alive. Let's go sing. And I hear these things on the can, man, and it's just like the vocals start being written. It's just like I'm, I treat myself like I'm a band. Whenever I have, a, if you go to my SoundCloud, I got a bunch of music I've been, you know, kicking around. But I treat myself like a band. I, 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 I listen to the music like I'm just a singer walking in and the band's got the music. But I wrote that music. So the, the fast approach to writing and the abandoning the music for a couple of days Abandoning it, abandoning it and then coming back to it um, to sing vocals is my technique. So I'm more inspired about what I'm singing and I'm more honest about the music that's there. Now, that's that's my technique. Can we expect anything coming up in the next year from you? I hope so. Yes. Um, I'm waiting for the cold weather to pass from Los Angeles right now, it's 40 degrees every night in LA. It's really crazy. It's, it shouldn't be. Um, but we have this climate crisis we're dealing with, but as soon as this cold air passes, say in about a month or two, I'm going to be able to 
open things back up and and sit down and kind of feel a little bit like I'm not like shivering, you know, like working like like cold or whatever it is. Or like, you know, trying to run the heat and all that. You know, it's all like that's I can't deal with that. And right now I need a I need a, the album came out just a month ago. Uh no, back in November. So two November eleventh. So two going on three months ago next month. And uh, it is going to be in the next month after that or in the next, uh, about time for me to start thinking about writing the new thing. And so, yeah, I want to bring out something new. You know, you gotta, gotta wait for that feeling too. I'm, I'm not a type of guy who just writes because I have to, although I can, I just, I'm not happy with that kind of stuff. So I'd rap, the, the stuff I'm happy with is when I sit by the river and I wait and I wait and I, wait. I know it's scary, but I wait and I wait and then suddenly something comes down the river and I go, that's it. That's like, you know, the river of my mind. I go, that's it. Rather than trying to swim in the river and swim around and find the songs I'm gonna write, you know, like this to me is like too contrived in a way. I used to do that as a kid, but I grew out of that. I grew out of that. I grew out of that because I want a higher spiritual experience in music. I want a raw, essence explosion in music i don't want to have a contrived uh, operation anymore i've grown up past that and it's fine if you want to write a symphony or you want to play in an orchestra you have a band that plays songs a certain way or you want to but for me i'm more going into uh, a, a immediate uh, burst of experience on record that i can share and then put something else out and that keep putting that on that's the most honest music i can make Maybe in 10 years, I'll change my mind and I'll go, wait a minute, what was I thinking? But for now, the most honest music I can write is this birth music, this, this idea of birthing music and putting it out and uh, not, not working with this guy. And we're writing this song. Todd was the same way. Todd was the same way like me. That's where we got along. Let's do it, man. You know, it's either done or it's not. You know, it's either good or it's not. And so working on it and we're going to come back and work on this song. And like six months later, we're still working on this song. No, you know, like it's lost its, it's lost its path, you know. So unless you know, and then you know, so that's it, really. I mean, and I think I got that from hip hop, and then the Bad Brains were like that too. Daryl does not like working on a song too long; just write that joint, or it's just corny. And then it just it's like how I am. So yeah, I hope to put something out this year, and I hope it's just as good as, if not better, than uh, Meltdown. Well, finally, I will say, are you excited for live shows to get back? Have you thought about what this album will look like in a, in a live experience? Or has that just not even crossed your mind yet? Well, you know, uh, it's inevitable kind of like that I would think about it. Um, I mean, I know we have COVID-19 and all the shows are shut down. Uh, but I have thought about it and I thought about as I, as I listen to the songs on headsets, on headset, I am a visual brain besides being a sonic brain. I can see images. And yeah, I can see the dark club as I close my eyes right now. I can see the audience. I can see myself playing guitar and singing and having a great time trashing around stage and bringing these songs to the, to an audience and showing them what it's like live. And now I probably won't play guitar in every song because I gotta I gotta have some fun. I gotta be able to run around and sing. But 
I'd probably treat it like Prince, you know, how he would do it. You know, like uh, you put your guitar down on the stand and you sing your song. Then some songs, all like Bob Marley would do it, right? You put your guitar, you dance around, you grab it up, and you play one of the songs, you play the solo, you know, that's the song. Like, like you know, there's certain songs I'm going to play, of course. I mean, there's certain solos, like the solo in uh, War in the Age of Iron. That's, that's one of my favorite solos on the record. Um, there's other solos that are you know, important to play guitar solos like the one on uh, All Unite, right? It's like a, and it just keeps going. It just keeps going and going and going. So that's a crazy solo. People's got to see that, you know? And I'm going to be happy to play that one. All that wild, you know, I've been wanting to do that for years, you know? It's like, it's like I've been wanting to do that for years, but yeah, that's going to happen. And so I'm really excited for the shows to come back um so yeah let's see what happens let's see what happens well israel thank you so much for coming on here today i hope everybody picks up the meltdown album it's a great album it's it's in it's in the spirit of firebird and bad brain so if you like that you're already gonna love this album pick that up and yeah thank you thank you so much israel for coming on thank you this has been a really really good time i'm telling you what i'm coming out of this with such a a good feeling inside, man. You're a great person. I'm just wishing you all the best. Let's stay in touch. Uh, of course. Great segment. Thank you. Right on. Thank you for listening. Pick up Israel Joseph I's new album, Meltdown, available now, and his other fine work with the Bad Brains and Fireburn. And this concludes our broadcast day. <laughs>